Hello and welcome back to Spacecraft Chronicles, a show where we explore stories of past, present, and future space missions. I'm your host, Regina Barber de Graff, an astrophysicist and Mars enthusiast. This episode centers around photography and imaging on Mars. But how has Mars been viewed in the past? Humans have been interested in the Mars surface for hundreds of years, and Mars was mapped once telescopes improved. In the late 1800s, many astronomers made more detailed maps, and some even jumped to conclusions about canals and alien civilizations. By the mid-1900s, most of the astronomical community had realized that these canals were optical illusions, which was a huge disappointment for those that dreamed of Martians. The first images of the Mars surface came from Mariner 4, a car-sized NASA spacecraft that flew by the planet in the summer of 1965. The first images from the Mars surface came from the Viking 1 lander in 1976. Since then, NASA has made great advancement with the Pathfinder rover in the 90s, the Spirit and Opportunity rovers in the early 2000s, and the Curiosity rover exploring Mars today. The future Mars 2020 mission, mentioned in a past episode, is a rover with MassCam-Z to perform color, panoramic, stereoscopic, or 3D, and zoom imaging. The first and foremost challenges in imaging are money and data. The average distance between Mars and Earth is 140 million miles, and so communication between NASA and the rovers is limited in terms of speed and storage space. Emily Lakdawalla, senior editor and planetary evangelist for the Planetary Society, explains. There's something about people who have cameras on spacecraft. Yeah. They don't necessarily release all the images right away. They right. like to hang on to them for a little bit. There's There are a couple exceptions to that, though. There are right. people who are really good about releasing images quickly. And actually, we're here for this MassCam Z meeting. Jim Bell is one of the better actors in that, in that arena. And so we're going to see all these images from this rover right away. Right, and, and that's actually normal, right? The, this rover right now, Curiosity, does publish these images right away. And to most the of them, like yeah. Within a week or something, I believe? The, of what? So most of the images are published as soon as they hit the surface. Wow. So all of the ones from the navigational cameras and the hazard avoidance cameras and the ChemCam remote microimager and the hand lens imager, all of those get sent to the web almost as soon as they hit Earth. Only the color cameras on the mast, they hold those for a day before they release them. Oh, wow. But it won't be true for uh, MassCam-Z. They're going to, for the next Mars rover, they're going to release them right away. So tell me something about MassCam-Z, because I know it's the next camera that's going to go on the next 2020 mission, Mm -hmm. and it's slightly different from what we have now. Tell me what we have now. So what we have now is an instrument called MassCam that's on the Curiosity rover. The Curiosity cameras flew with one zoomed in and one zoomed out, and so you have two different size eyes on the camera. And what that means is that you can't do proper stereo imaging. It's sort of compromised that way. So MassCam Z is gonna fix that. So that's the Z is the zoom. The Z is the zoom, and moreover, the two cameras are going to be 100% identical so that whatever you look at, you can see it with your left eye and your right eye, and it'll be in stereo, and it'll be in color, and it'll be awesome. Right. So all of the rovers that have ever been sent since Sojourner, um, all of the landers and rovers have had these stereo cameras on them so that you can see things in 3D. And the navigational cameras that were on Spirit and Opportunity and also on Curiosity, they see the whole world in 3D, but it's black and white. And so people are always like, where's the color? Why why did they send black and white images images to Mars? Right. There's good reasons for that. Uh, One of them is that you don't need the color because they're just for 
getting the lay of the land and figuring out the topography so that you know where to drive and where to put your instruments. The other reason is that color requires three times as much data right. as black and white does. And so you don't waste color unless you really need it to understand what you're looking at. Right. And so uh, the science imagers do have color capability, but the ones that are just for navigating around Mars, don't have. they don't have it right. because you would be able to return fewer pictures from Mars total right. in exchange for having that color. So right. it's better to be black and white. Even though black and white pictures are more cost-effective, color imaging can be quite useful in studying the geology, or Marsology, of the red planet. Here is NASA rover scientist Dr. Melissa Rice to tell us more. Color images, unlike a black and white image, not only gives us some sense of what the landscapes look like, but it also gives us a sense of what the landscapes are made of. So a good example are the rocks on Mars that contain a lot of iron. Iron, when it rusts, it turns a bright red color. And most of the iron on the surface of Mars is oxidized. But not all of the iron has been rusted in this way. And sometimes that iron, when it's in minerals in the rocks and it hasn't been altered, it hasn't been oxidized yet, those rocks will not have the red color. Those rocks will look more brown or gray, and they will look different in color images from those red, rusty colors. So when we take pictures of rocks on Mars and of landscapes on the horizon, we want to be able to see the various shades of red so that we can interpret where the rocks have been through different types of alteration. Now, Mars Pretty much everything on the surface looks like some hue of reddish, orangish, brownish. And that's not really a very beautiful color palette to the human eye. But we still like to get color images because we take pictures in wavelengths that are longer than what the human eye is sensitive to. These are wavelengths that are not in the visible range of light, but the near-infrared range of light. And in order for us to take a picture in near-infrared wavelengths, what we need to do is put filters in front of the camera lens that only let those long wavelengths of light through. And we can take pictures in those wavelengths, and that's really useful because Mars, while it looks just kind of reddish-brown to our eyes, is actually much more colorful in these near-infrared wavelengths. And I think if there were Martians who had evolved on the surface of Mars, looking at the colors of the Mars, Mars surface, they probably wouldn't be sensitive to the same wavelengths of light we are, because it's not very useful to see everything as a red planet. But I bet you that they would have eyeballs that were sensitive to the near-infrared wavelengths, and they would see a full spectrum of colors that we can't even perceive. Another difficulty of taking photographs on another planet is getting those colors right. However, Nicole Schmitz, an engineer at DLR, the German Aerospace Center, recalls an ingenious solution to this problem, hundreds of years in the making. 
for our listeners, let's like describe what a calibration target is, because it's it's basically just yeah. this thing on the rover that has known colors and it has known yeah it has spots with uh, colors which have been calibrated in a lab on Earth, so right. we know exactly the uh, properties of these colors. We know how they look under Earth's atmosphere, right? And that means that on Mars we can also measure how they look like under Mars atmosphere, and right. so we can generate true color images. Right. But you can also you also have the danger that they might degrade over time, that the colors right. just might change because of, for example, radiation exposure. Right. And we had one of the engineers in our team who was tasked to solve that problem or to come up with an idea. Right. Um, and he did a lot of research on the internet and um, looked at previous designs and he actually found out uh, glasses, windows of churches, <laughs> medieval churches. Because wow. they have stained glass. Mm-hmm. And these just don't degrade over centuries. So you have these old cathedrals in Europe, right. and they have stained glass in many, many different colors. You can actually uh, add several minerals to these uh, to this glass and get every color you like, and they just don't degrade. So wow. actually, the next Mars rover, the next European Mars rover, will fly to Mars with color patches that are made of church glass. <laughs> wow. Despite the distance, dust, radiation, and any other thing that could go wrong, Earth scientists have managed to take close-up color images of another planet entirely. These color images can tell us the composition of Mars' surface, but they can also help people get a better feel for what it would be like to watch a sunset on Mars. Here again is Dr. Melissa Rice. On Mars, the sky is red during the day. And that's because the atmosphere is full of this reddish Mars dust, the same red Mars dust that's all over the surface, making the planet look red in general. And that red dust is in the sky, we see it during the day, but right at sunset, that's when we see just a little bit of blue sky, only when the sun is there. And we wouldn't know that without our color imagers on the surface of Mars. And so I really like the fact that Mars has these dramatically different sunsets because this is a different planet entirely. This is not the Earth, not what we've experienced, but this is a world where the sky is red during the day and the setting sun is blue. And I hope that one of those first astronauts to see that on Mars is a poet. Thank you for listening to this episode, and be sure to tune in next time for another space story. This episode of Spacecraft Chronicles was recorded at the MassCamZ team meeting at Western Washington University in the summer of 2016. Additional audio was recorded in Bellingham, Washington in July 2017. This show was produced, written, and edited by Taylor Raybould, Natalie Moore, Melissa Rice, and Regina barber DeGraff. Special thanks to Melissa Rice, Emily Lakdawalla, Kiartan Kink, Nicole Schmitz, and resources from KMRE and Western Washington University. 